Black Hill Energy, heating homes across County Armagh. Fill up your tank for a rainy day with County Armagh's fastest growing fuel company. For latest prices, visit our website at www.blackhillenergy.net or call us today on 02838 344 Black Hill Energy, Ansborough Industrial Park, Lurgan. again to the eye on the ball. This is your host Elaine Ingram. The Armagh County footballers were beaten 310 to 15 by a very strong Roscommon side on Saturday evening behind closed doors at the Athletic Grounds and while it was um, very disappointing for the thousands who watched the game live on RTE um, they did get a glimpse of a truly heartwarming sight. Um, with only the players and um, necessary officials and staff and the media present um, it promised to be quiet and a very strange occasion indeed and it probably would have been but for the over 3,000 primary school children who made their presence felt with self-portraits surrounding the grounds and on into the tunnel. It was absolutely fantastic to see in person and I decided that I had to talk to the person involved who was um, Hugh Campbell, the performance coach for Armagh. Um, I met him on Monday and he told me all about the initiative and you know why it came about and what it meant for all of the children, the players and everybody involved. I also spoke to Arma City Football Club chairman Aidan Murphy about new signings for the club and the lack of league fixtures so far and the reasons for that. Um, but first up, let's hear from Hugh. So I'm here with Hugh Campbell, who was one of the main, actually the brainchild behind what everybody must have seen if they were watching RTE at all, all the fantastic um, pictures, self-portraits by, um, I believe, 3,000 children from the primary schools around Armagh that um, lightened our hearts and brightened up the empty seats at the athletic grounds, even though Armagh lost, but we'll get to that in a bit. Yes, well, Elaine, first of all, I've never been called a, a, a brainchild before, so, <laughs> so thanks very much for that. Um, yeah, the, the, the photographs were done by thousands of school children uh, in the primary sector across County Armagh, and uh, really uh, Claire Shields and Dennis Hollywood, who work for Armagh County Board, were the people who were the, really the engine behind the whole initiative. The idea, I picked up the idea from watching Major League Baseball about a month ago, and uh, if anyone's watched it, they'll, have, they'll noticed that in the baseball stadiums, they've placed cardboard cutouts of fans right behind the batter. But when the camera pans away, you see it's only about 40 cardboard cutouts. Right. So I was watching that and I was driving to training one night and I was thinking about the fact that our stadium would be empty, apart from players and officials and stewards on the day of a nationally televised game. And what impression you know, that we create for the whole country. And I'm thinking about this idea of the cardboard cutout. And just, uh, I, I don't know where this idea of asking children to do their portraits and do it on a large scale and put them up in the stadium came to mind. So I went to Claire Shields with the idea and Claire uh, made the whole thing happen along with Dennis. They really were the engine behind the, 
behind the idea. And and how long how long ago did you come up with this idea? Um, it was about three weeks before the game. Yeah, that's not giving you a lot of time to organise this. And how many schools were involved? I believe that it grew a, a lot more than you expected initially. It really snowballed, and uh, over forty schools uh, sent portraits in. Uh, some schools sent in a few hundred portraits from their from their school. So it looks like a whole you know there's a whole school buy-in, and again, you have to give incredible uh, uh, credit to the teachers and the young people and their families for uh, contributing. And look, Claire and myself and my wife Jackie stuck up most of those portraits over the 48 hours before the game and um, while it was really frantic it was it was hard not to be moved when you were looking at each child's picture uh, because you see the spirit of that person and I know it's an overused word but each piece of uh, each painting was unique yeah it was a lovely idea to have self-portraits it really was and I'm sure it meant an awful lot to the to the children that were involved because they you know they would feel special you know seeing themselves or seeing their pictures up there well i, I hope so and you, you'd imagine maybe if there was a, a cutaway uh from the tv to the stand that uh people watching at home would be looking for their for their picture um but i suppose elaine one of the things that i was thinking about and we're conscious of as a a, a county team is that we're a team that's a representative team and players who pull on the orange jersey are representing the whole of the county. And in the times that we're in it, we're very keen to let that wider community know that we really appreciate their support and we take representing them completely seriously. And we knew that people couldn't be in the stadium and we wanted to find a way to bring people in. And uh, this was our way of trying to do that, to invite children into the stadium in, in, that, in that manner to show and acknowledge the support that we get from the whole community. Yeah, it was really a moving thing to see. And how how much do you think not having um, anybody in the stadium actually affected the, the game? Because, you know, they, the, the 16th man and all that kind of thing, it was eerily quiet out there. And it was very, I was there and you were there. Um, it was very, it was strange, especially when the, when the players ran onto the pitch. That was the, the moment for me that there was just no sound. But they must have looked up and seen all those beautiful, beautiful pictures, and it must have meant something to them. But apart from that, how do you how do you think? Do you think it affected the game? Well, the absence of a home crowd definitely affects the atmosphere. And uh, when you're under the pump and you're playing at home, the crowd always give you a lift. When you get on top, to help drive you forward. So missing the crowd was a was a huge factor, and it was a. I mean, a sadness that we think was reflected across the whole country as games went on this weekend. Um, but players were conscious that playing on a nationally televised game is uh, is important to, to be at your best. And um, these guys are they're very experienced. I think on, on, on both teams really uh, committed themselves to the match in that in the unusual in the unusual nature of the atmosphere. They were still extremely committed. It was a very competitive game, and. Um, I think once once the ball is thrown in, that becomes the key focus for the players. Yeah, that's true. I, I, yeah, completely. I'm sure they're not aware of what's going on, you know, up there. But you know yourself, you know, when it comes to the end of the match, when it's like really crunch time, and somebody fires over a brilliant point, and there's a roar from the crowd. It definitely 
um, and our mar are good at doing this at like just getting over the line and you know and you feel like it's the crowd that brings them over the line at times no, that, that's right and look, look you know our mar are known for having brilliant support and brilliant traveling support and I've been lucky to be in, involved with the team over the last few years and I know that no matter where you go to in Ireland no matter what time of the year you can be sure that if it's an away game there'll be as many Armagh supporters there as home supporters wherever you go so uh, of course, they were they were very badly missed on Saturday night, um, in in you in the stadium, but it, it is a really strange time, Elaine, for all sportsmen and women up and up and down the island. Um, I watched the Sunday game on RTE last night, and inevitably there's a good bit of chat about COVID and how it's affected Leitrim, uh, Fermanagh, or another team who have uh, really uh, struggled because of the uh, COVID situation in their camp over the last two weeks and. On Saturday night, we we had about half our squad who were involved in the game on Saturday night um, were missing from training right up to the last weekend because either they had COVID or they were having to self isolate because of close contact. And so our own preparations for the game were were badly disrupted. And I I, I don't think that any team in Ireland is offering that as an excuse for um, what happens around games. But it it's important to acknowledge that it's. A really challenging time for people involved in competing in sport or trying to lead sport and everyone doing that understands as well that really we're a small part of a, a really bigger uh, picture in civic society of what's going on and how to respond to it safely and, and correctly yeah I mean I have to say that um, being there the guidelines were completely adhered to I you know I went in you're sitting miles away from everybody else. There was no contact with anybody. Um, even the post-match interview was out on the pitch and we all had to put our microphones down and stand well away from Kieran McGinney when he spoke and everybody was masked up. And, you know, I don't know how they could have done it any better than they have. And how do you feel um, if the South do go to level five, which they're talking about. I don't know whether they are or they're not, but um, at this game, the game against Clare, do you think that it's going to go ahead? And do you think it should go ahead? Um, there's such a lot of debate at the moment, as you know. Well, probably a couple of things, Elaine, um, about about this. One is you talked about the protocols on Saturday night. What's less visible is the protocols and structure that have been there for weeks. So for example, um, it's normal for us to eat together after training. We don't do that anymore. Players are handed a basically a, a box with food in it on the way out of training. Um, when we go to uh, the athletic grounds, players are changing in about five different rooms in small bubbles. They're masked up indoors. Um, we have team meetings in the stand, setting rows apart, which is challenging. Yeah. Um, uh, last week, uh, we had... Uh, our medical team, who have been absolutely brilliant in supporting us from the very start of the outbreak of the pandemic, I did extensive medical testing on our players. Um, I don't think it's appropriate for me to go into those details, but it was extensive to make sure that people were actually fit and healthy to play on Saturday night. The game against Clare, look, the, the sports person in you wants the game to go ahead. Um, there's a part of just the human being and you wants the game to go ahead because it's it's a fragment of normality in, a, in the most abnormal uh, times uh, but we're we're subject to whatever uh, the government's um, 
uh, across the island decide and we'll respect and, uh, and abide by that but as a human being yeah, I'd love to see it being played because it's it's a glimmer of normality as a sports person you absolutely um, want the game to go ahead but we'll respect and follow what we've been asked to do I mean look at the end of the day playing playing football um, uh, seems relatively unimportant given the the scale of of what we're doing and yet as we as we know across the ages sport gives meaning to life it's part of the tapestry of life it gives something that we can look forward to whether you're going to a game or watching the game on tv or following it on the radio or social media and it would be lovely to think that we could just still keep that fragment of normality going for those people in society who follow the GAA and the GAA played an immense role across the island from um, March in um, helping to establish um, a safe way of driving the uh, pandemic figures downwards over its first months um, and it would be lovely to see the elite side of that sport get a chance in the next eight weeks just to uh, bring a little bit of light into these heavy days. Uh, I'm not sure if you read Keith Duggan's article in the Irish Times on Saturday. He's a, a you know beautiful writer and yes, um, yeah. I, I, I could, actually didn't read it. But well, yeah. I, I, he 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 made a great if you like case for the importance of football over the next eight weeks. And if you if anybody hasn't read it and who's interested in the way this whole debate about should football go ahead or not gets framed, I I would really I couldn't say it more eloquently than him. we couldn't yeah. match his words. But he described, if you like, both the dilemma and the opportunity to play um, absolutely uh, brilliantly. It does give a glimmer of hope to all of us. And there's something, there's something to look forward to. And it's just, you know, even if you have to, you can't be there. And if they are, the games are being televised and everything else, like it definitely does make a difference, especially now that we're having heading into the dark winter, which is such an unusual time anyway for for the championship to be played. But um, in terms of, you know, there's there's such a big difference between county and club as well, because, I mean, we all know at this stage about the four kill, you know, what, what happened there. And but 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 I think the main thing was that people were going out celebrating, as we know, that, as we know as well, that it was after the games. It wasn't actually at the grounds. It was afterwards. But it's not the same for county games because people people are celebrating, you know, if they're watching it on television, they're watching it from their own homes. But even apart from that, even if there were p- people at the games, they're all dispersing to their own separate villages and towns and everything. It's not congregated in one area. So it's definitely a very, very different thing. C- county is very, very different to club. You've got, <clears throat> you've got more control. Um, I mean, if you look at the number of stewards at the game on Saturday night, they were, it was extensively stewarded and the irony was they were basically stewarding um, two teams of players, um, a handful of, of officials, handful of journalists and thousands of children's portraits so it's brilliantly controlled and I think the players as well really understand their responsibilities and if you if you looked at the footage just after the whistle blows of the reaction of the Roscommon team um, of how both how dignified they were and how measured they were in winning the game that basically guaranteed division one football they were very muted understated very respectful there was a few fist bumps between their own team and between their players and our players and um, and everybody w- w- went off the pitch it got changed and Roscommon uh, travelled in two buses 
but each county is taking this very seriously and managing it very very well and what people won't see is how much of that's reflected throughout the week in the way players are trained the way their medical teams are monitoring health uh, testing doing health checks if anyone has had covid and is trying to come back to play and i and i think uh, inter-county teams have been exemplary in the way that they've uh, been trying to manage their players but obviously uh, more resources um, and fewer players than you have in any in any given club uh, uh, club scene but club football over the summer was also desperately important for people yeah players and it was just the finals really that were the where the human nature came out and you know that's hard to that's that's hard to control you know um it was really the finals because i was at plenty of the club games and they were all you know there was it was all fine you know it was yeah i mean you're right about human nature look is there is there any of us who haven't at some point even those of us who have uh, been most stringent in trying to manage this responsibly and follow all the guidelines I'm wondering, I'm wondering, is there anyone who at some moment hasn't let their let their guard slip? I mean, I, I don't know, you've gone into a shop and realised you haven't had a mask and had to turn back to the car or come into the house on an occasion and didn't wash your hands or it's or you meet a friend that you haven't seen for a while and suddenly you find yourself standing two feet away instead of six feet away. Yeah. It's human nature that your guard does drop even when you're really vigilant. And then when you then put groups of people into something that is as exciting and some of the county finals were dramatic because they affairs. were historical yeah as well historical historic the, wins historical for parishes incredibly close games and the adrenaline um of you know last minute last minute win in a final can be you know overwhelm people and that, it's regrettable now looking back but I, I think i understand why that happened too yeah so back to the back to the portraits now. I'm I'm looking around here. Um, you have paintings all over your your home. Um, your wife, I believe, and your daughter are both painters. So is this obviously is this must have been part of the idea where it came from with you? <laughs> yes, probably was. I mean, I'm blessed to be married to a struggling artist and have a daughter who's a struggling artist they're very ta- they're very talented and the yeah they are very talented the, i can attest to that the, the house is full of their their uh, artwork so i'm i'm sure that that's kind of had some uh, uh, effect on me and listen i i collect jerseys as a as a sort of my uh, antidote to the number of paintings in the house and um my girls hate the football jerseys on the walls they they don't think that's particularly artful so with, with, in this house we're blatant football jerseys with paintings it's it's not a and photographs it's not a bad balance i suppose but yeah probably the idea some came from some somewhere in there and funny my, my wife was who's been a professional artist for 40 years was helping claire and i um stick paintings up at the weekend and she said you know this is like an art installation yeah this is like an exhibition um and uh I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, people couldn't go to the ground to see it, and no doubt on TV, the coverage of the of each picture would have been you know, very uh, fleeting. But I, I would like to say thank you to all the children, the families, and the teachers who made this happen because it was extraordinarily beautiful. As I said, the spirit of every child when you looked at the pictures and the written little messages on them that signed them. Yeah, just walking was, around looking at them, they were spe- really so special. individual, and yeah. they were just 
it was really, really bring a tear to your eye. It yeah. really would, yeah. Th- these weren't things that people dashed out in two minutes. You could see the care that the teacher, the teachers had, really created the environment and given the the their pupils the time to do these with all the skill and attention that each child wanted. These were not dashed out affairs. I I want to keep some and put a and put a frame in them. And I mean, if there are any children in Armagh who hear hear this, um, what I'd like them to know as well is that. As soon as those pictures started to come in, um, we were sending photographs of individual pictures out to the players for the 10 days up to the game to, again, remind them of that connection to the the community. And I did think the ground looked, for, for an empty ground, looked amazing on Saturday night. It you did. had the portraits. Uh, Paddy McKeever from McKeever Sports brought 50 flags and put them behind each goal. And, and my wife was watching on TV and said it added a sense of warmth to to the empty stadium. I also think that um, uh, RTE didn't uh, manage to play the national anthem before the game, which is a real pity. It was because it was absolutely gorgeous. It was, yeah. Yeah, we had a Eulalian Piper. And it was an Elam Piper, yeah. Yeah, and we, we um, you know, we came we're thinking about the game, coming up to the game, and uh, he came along on Friday to the ground and did a, a rehearsal, and Claire and I were in the tunnel putting up paintings, and at the time we started to play, we just stopped. And it was a goosebumps moment really? to hear the pipes and the empty ground, and, and just all these we were we were starting, you know, a meter away from the faces of all these uh, uh, all these kids, and the you know there's, there's this issue now about can you sing in public because you can spread COVID by singing apparently, you know, and, and we were thinking about the anthem and uh, how to honour it and this idea of the piper. Then was uh, especially pop, like a lone piper. Up, it's a lone very, piper. Um, yeah, I, I thought poignant. it would be a sort of elegiac. If that doesn't yeah. sound too fanciful at a at a difficult time, it's um, it, both to inspire and maybe a little a little note of of also a bit of a lament for for the situation that yeah. we're we're in. And yeah. we and we know we'll come through it, but we also know, and we've had families of uh, players in Armagh who have been badly affected over these last nine months. With serious illness so we we know that what's going on is is biting and hurting people very very deeply and we we do have a sense of context around where where football comes and all that it is both really important and in some ways totally unimportant and, and i know that sounds paradoxical but um i think it's possible to hold both those ideas in your head at the at the one time yeah I think um, are are you going to be keeping those pictures up, for um, you know what's the plan? They're not going to just be taken down, are they? I think keep them up for some period of time anyway. Well, here's the thing, Ronan, uh, the gr- the groundsman who, by the way, the the grounds were presented like could have been Wembley Stadium or Crow Park. Yeah, he, the ground looked he's amazing. Incredible uh, work in the ground, and he came up with this idea of putting portraits onto advertising boards. So we stuck a lot of the portraits on these advertising boards and Claire Shields has suggested that we frame some of them and mount them on the walls outside the stadium. They'll be undercover because of the design of the stadium roof uh, and be there for all time. Yeah, because uh, this is a, yeah. it was kind of a historic moment really. Yeah. So we, I, I hope we're going to be able to preserve, uh, you know, a few hundred of them anyway um, for posterity and have them somewhere in the athletic grounds as a, as a reminder of, of these days. And they're, listen, when you looked at the pictures and there were um, the diversity in the in the 
portraits was amazing, Elaine. There were an awful lot of black faces among yeah. the portraits. Um, there were um, clearly portraits done by, I would say, kids who were nursery school. So you had the sort of, the, you know, the, so you you know, the purple blodgy face with yeah. the little uh, eyeballs in the middle. And the so arms coming out of the head. Arms coming out of the <laughs> head and, you know, uh, uh, ears that were bigger than the legs and all of that. <laughs> And you, and you range from that to these really sophisticated uh, portraits that were done, I would say they're quite lifelike, by maybe children who were P5, 6, 7. Um, so you, you, had all of, you had all of that kind of diversity uh, represented and the messages were hopeful messages. Um, some of the portraits, the children painted themselves with masks on. But oh, every portrait, if you look at every set of eyes and... We looked at thousands of these. In every one, you didn't have to look too hard to see light in the eyes and hope and smiling faces and encouraging words. And that is really um, uplifting. Yeah. Really uplifting. Is. And we all need that. Yeah. We need to be giving that to each other um, as part of the support that we all need uh, for the winter that's in front of us. Yeah. And just lastly, are we going to win? Are we going to be Claire next weekend? <laughs> well, if we if we get to Claire, look, we, we'll be. If we get to Claire, if we get yeah. to Claire, we'll be, and it's a long, long way, as the song says. Yeah. Um, we'll be Both as physically and metaphorically. Oh man, we, we'll be as excited and determined, um, this weekend as we were last weekend, and we were very, uh, we were really anticipating um the week, you know, the weekend had just gone past. We didn't get the result we wanted. Um, I think we'll have benefited enormously from just having play players having played a game. We had to cancel challenge matches in the run up to this that would have brought us on a bit. So we'll we'll be very excited this weekend. And results on Sunday fell our way. It's a straight shootout now. If we it's in our hands and going into the last game. Do we need a win? I'm I'm. The, we win. Uh, we need to win. We don't. A draw won't be good enough. Um. It's we need. It's common are are top now. They they yes. they're that's yeah. that's them. We, we top. need to we need to win the game. We need to win. Um, um, I'm not good at all the permutations. Well, look, <laughs> look, look, look our uh, Brian McClelland, our statistician, was updating us all day yesterday about what was happening as results unfolded. It's we're we're in a good position. Um, it's a position that if you were asked at the start of the league campaign, um, to take the chance in a final game to to be promoted by winning. And if you were offered that, you would have taken it then. And that's what we have now. And we have a fantastic group of players uh, whose spirit has been amazing over these last six months in the way that they've kept at it, found ways of keeping going from the days when you had to train by yourself to the small group days in May and throughout the time when they went back to their club, the way they kept in touch with each other. They're, they're a great group. They're, they're brilliant fellas. Um, they've been through a lot. Their families have been through a lot, as every family has been in the country. But we're delighted to have the chance this, this weekend. And look, Claire are, um, Claire are in there as well. Yeah. So it's a game where everybody's got skin in it, as yeah. they say. And uh, uh, yeah, we'd be excited if we can get playing it. We would, be, we would love to be playing this weekend. Yeah, and hopefully the the lads will all bring the, the images of those... Uh, all those 3,000 plus eyes with them that were looking at them on Saturday night. I, I, I think when we get further down the road uh, from this, they 
work of those children will be something that people will never forget. Yeah. Anybody who's around that scene who was lucky enough to be in the stadium particularly because TV won't I mean when you put three yeah, I was walking pictures, around looking you, at them you, you know, know and you really needed to kind of to, need to, to see be it there, yeah. um, the players saw it and um, they were very aware of it and none of us will ever forget what the, the children did and we're very grateful to them and their schools and their families we yeah. really appreciate it Elaine okay well thanks very much for talking to me Ian. No, not at all as I mentioned earlier I spoke with the Armagh City Football Club chairman Aidan Murphy on the day that further restrictions were put in place and we spoke about what all of this means for the club where they're at and where they hope to go and he also told me all about his new signings and what he feels will be the future for football and indeed sport in general after all of this crisis is over so let's hear what Aidan had to say now so Aidan um, I'm up here in home park and in empty home park which uh, it seems like might be empty for the foreseeable few next few weeks anyway, at the very least. Uh, yes, we're here on uh, whatever it is, uh, Wednesday, as it is, Wednesday the 14th yeah, uh, of October. Um, basically, it's a sort of a deja vu. Um, we closed down here uh, of all activity on the 13th of March and then opened up during the summer to some youth training senior training etc uh, as of this moment in time we're not quite certain as to what the, uh, the the latest regulations that come out today mean for us um, uh, I think there's no competitive football for the next month uh, you were already in a, a bad enough position as in terms of the league because the um, intermediate fi- premier intermediate fixtures have not even been decided for sure yet because of well explain the situation with them this appeal Uh, yeah for our listeners in case they don't know what what was going on yes uh we are we're in the third tier of uh northern ireland football and as such um the premier intermediate league uh whilst we had covid to contend with um we also um there well there were there were two appeals uh, to the ifa how the season was curtailed last year and, and a couple of teams were relegated so they both took appeals um, the one that affected us was PS and I were appealed their relegation from the championship above us and um, it took uh, from the end of June until last Monday or this Monday uh, two days ago um, so it's only now that that is. Um, Why is it taking so long? It seems to be an awful long time for the um, appeals process. Yes, you would. You would need to ask the IFA yeah. that question. <laughs> um, it. Uh, I know there was a couple of weeks delay <laughs> over some problem with a, an email address, uh, but that uh, still doesn't account for the other three months. Um, I, I know lockdown and, and, and virtual meetings. Um, are a little bit more difficult than face-to-face um, hearings, but having said that, it still does seem uh, an extraordinary length of time. So, so that that was that, that meant that uh, neither our league or the championship could actually uh, form. Uh, and uh, the, the first meeting of both those is ironically tonight, um, where we may get some more information as to. Uh, it, it, it is tonight, but then with the news today, I mean, I think that uh, we, we, we currently have only played um, three cup ties. 
And you've uh, done well. You've, you've won all those three. We, we, we have won all of those, so we're into the quarterfinals of two cups. Um, but again, those are going to be affected now by the lockdown, so I don't know when those will take place. Um, uh, so, it's, so, it's, so it's all very much up in the air, you know. Um, so it's, it's, it's really difficult from that point of view. Yeah. And how difficult it is for the, the players now to keep to keep them training, to keep them interested. To you know, It must be mentally quite difficult for them. Yeah, we, 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 you know, we come back as soon as things did ease off and, and we were allowed to, um, we came back, followed all the protocols, as, as you can see, uh, within the ground. We have um, uh, the... Uh, yeah, there's signage and everything so, up here. Social distancing, we, we, have, we have hand sanitizers out whenever there's anything going on and, and we have a, a one-way system in operation. Uh, so so we, we followed all the protocols. Uh, we we find that players wanted to come back to training, so um, they come back pro a lot earlier than they would have needed to, based on when we actually were going to start playing competitive football. But they wanted to come back, so that would kept them interested. I, again, now whenever we come to the situation where we're now stopped again, so it's it's it is very difficult. Yeah, uh, you beat Oxford Sunnyside the other night. Yes, that was that was last night. Yes, yeah. it was a very very good performance. Uh, it, it was quite comprehensive, really, to be honest. Uh, we played very well. And it's then, you know, really unfortunate for the players uh, if we, we find ourselves uh, that we're not going to be playing for a month because when you're on a roll of wins, you want to stay on. Yeah, I mean, you have yeah. momentum, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, if you were losing matches, you probably want to break. But exactly. uh, when you're winning, you want to keep going, you know. So, but... And you have your new signing, Ross Lavery, scoring goals, I believe. Yes, uh, Ross joined us uh, a few weeks ago. Um, his brother Stefan yeah. had been here um, and had then uh, left them and gone to Newry. Um, he, he he then came back to us um, earlier in in the um, in the close season there, and uh, then um, I think possibly through him, but his brother had been with Bellamy United. And uh, I think the travelling was just a little bit too much for him. So uh, um, our manager, Shay Campbell, spoke to him and um, he, he, w he was interested in what we were doing here and, um, and joined us. And uh, yeah, thankfully. Well, that's a, that's a big a signing. Yeah, it's a good signing for you. We, we, we have, uh, we've made a number. Well, we, we're still quite a young team and, and, and Ross isn't that old either. You know, a lot of teenagers in, in the squad and um, that's how, how we're trying to develop um, but uh, Ross would give us a little bit more experience and quality as well, you know, so it's very useful. Yeah, so yeah, what new other new signings have you got in? Uh, yeah, as I say, we, we have, yes, we, we, we have a number of um, players returned to us uh, and we've also uh, a young goalkeeper, Mackenzie Pauley, uh, who had um, made one appearance for Larne uh, last year in the Premiership. Uh, he was anxious to get more game time and he's come in and, and done exceedingly well um, uh, so he, he's only he's only 17 uh, as I say St Stefan Lavery um, rejoined um, we also have a um, young fellow called Jordan King who uh, was with Windmill Stars yeah he was with Windmill yeah yeah so it, he, he has joined us and, and done very well in the, in the matches so far um, and again uh, as I say uh, Jack Clark, who had been here before, he was a son of um, his father. Actually, he played here many years ago. Uh, he had played here before and was on the books of Lisbon Distillery before coming back. And just on transfer deadline day on Monday, 
Uh, we signed Mark McCall, uh, who was with Legal, and um, Kevin Hagen, uh, who was with Ballyclare last season. So we, we, we have a good... So you've got a good few in there now. Yeah, we have a good squad, and we, we retained most of the, the squad from last year, who had done quite well um, uh, on, until it was curtailed, you know. Yeah, and this season now, um, if it does get, the league does ever get going good. Um, but um, where do you see yourselves or who, what teams do you see as your biggest rivals? It's, 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 it's really difficult difficult to say. With I think most times you, you do have an idea. Um, I think Dollingstown, from what we hear, Tobermore could be a, a decent side. Um, a Port Stewart, who uh, were in second place when the league ended last year again, uh, could, could be up there. Uh, so it's, it's quite difficult to say whenever we haven't had any real competitive football and some of those teams haven't had much competitive football. So it's, it's quite difficult. But certainly uh, we would like to think we're up there competing and uh, hopefully uh, can get promoted. Yeah. Um, as far as the ground here now is concerned, I know you were um, ground sharing with um, Windmill Stars um, up to last year and now you have um, Mindwell are in here yeah. how do you come about decisions like that too I mean obviously it's you know it's, it's upkeeping grounds like this you know it's expensive expensive business so having a ground sharing how does it does it work seem to work well for you uh, we, we, we haven't seen an awful lot of them they, they have actually uh, had uh, a number of away league matches and uh, I think a number of away cup matches so they've only actually played one league match here um, no, when you have a 3G pitch, um, there's uh, there's always a heavy demand for it on Fridays and, and then all day Saturday, really. Um, unfortunately, you can only play one match at a time. Uh, it's the same as any other uh, pitch. Um, so uh, from from that point of view, um, we, we, we decided at the end of last season that we weren't going to have um, a reserve team. So we had probably a bit of space on, a, on a, an afternoon on a Saturday when we weren't using it. And we have an under-19 team, but they play in the morning. So that, that meant that we had um, the opportunity to, to have someone else play on it. And it just so happened that the, the, the chairman of Mindwell uh, contacted me uh, and gave me some information as to their project. And um, they were looking for a ground they, they wanted to enter the mid Ulster um, third division and um, so um, we, we uh, debated it uh, at committee and thought it was um, a very good uh, plan that they were had and uh, certainly we are happy to have them ground share it's completely different unfortunately I mean from what it would normally be uh, with no use of changing rooms, um, so basically they they play out on the pitch, and that's about their complete involvement uh, with uh, with us at the moment. You know. Yeah, I mean that's the same for everybody, I suppose. Yeah, yeah there isn't anything any of, any of us can do about that. But having the three G pitch now, you got the three G pitch when was it twenty thirteen or something like that? Yeah. Um, and how did that um decision come about? Because that must have been an expensive undertaking too. Uh, yeah, we we well. We had, as, as some people would continue to say to me, you had, you had a very good grass pitch. Uh, we probably did, and uh, we had good people looking after it at the time. Um, but we, we decided that with our youth and um, with uh, our ladies section, it, it was the way to progress. Um, so we were fortunate that we got funding from Sport NI and, uh, as it was at the time, Armagh. Uh, council um, 
it, it means that basically uh, on Monday, Monday to Friday evenings we can have uh, youth teams, ladies, girls, our seniors, and then some other clubs as well using it. So uh, it, it means you can have um, you know twenty four seven use from that point of view. Um, we also yeah, I mean you're not weather dependent, obviously. So yeah, that's no, a the, huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, the great thing is, I mean, you know, and, and schools would use it for uh, matches, uh, etc. So it, it it is great from that point of view. Yes, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, in the past, if we had a midweek match we, and it was raining all day, we were having to inspect it, uh, having to get a referee inspected. Now we can just relax. It's it's there. There's yeah, you no know, there's not going to be any cancellations or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, unless it's sorry. really snowing. Yeah, snow, snow, yeah. Is, snow is really the, the only thing, and you can. We have done before. Not the greatest idea in the world to brush a little bit of snow off it, but um, I, I wouldn't recommend it. But uh, no, that could be quite tricky. You could probably get a few injuries that way too. Maybe. Yeah, no, not not so much injuries. We we, we did it once, and um, we we got it off. We got a match started, but unfortunately, the match didn't end because it was more snow came down. Oh, so right. so it, it was a, a sort of a, no. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. How do the players find playing on the three G? Do you find you've much um you know that the players would maybe prefer grass? We 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 believe we have one of the best. Um, 3G pitches there are around. Uh, I think we were very fortunate in the there are different qualities of them and different uh, different types of carpet and everything. And more and more of the younger players now are brought up uh, on 3G and don't bat an eyelid. In fact, when you send them out on a bit of grass, they take a look at you, you know. And uh, so, um, yes. it, it, it's, it's, I think from all of the younger players coming through. It's nothing. It's, it's That's nothing. just what they're it's used to. Just the norm. It's some of the older hands uh, with maybe weaker knees and bodies. Uh, still, it isn't their favourite. Yeah. But apart from that, no, it's excellent. Yeah. Well, that's good. And um, what about you know, um, not having, like, if this does continue on the way it seems to be going, and if they don't allow spectators and stuff in like that, how how hard is that on the on the club? Uh, well, the, the club, we, we, we have a, a small social club here and um, it would be, uh, as, as now the phrase is, it would be a wet bar. Um, so um, we, we closed it again on the, it was the 6th of March, wasn't open, hasn't been open since the 6th of March. So really, from that point of view, um, we have zero income. Yeah, from, that's the, it's the income part yeah, as well. Yeah, that um, must be very, very difficult for for all clubs yeah i mean we, we have been fortunate we've got a little bit of sport we, we mean we've got the the sport and i hardship fund um two thousand pounds you know and uh, the 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 ifa had a fifa covid fund uh, of two thousand which uh, we also um have obtained but yeah we, we have we, we have ongoing expenses we have insurance, uh, insurance yeah. is currently four and a half thousand pounds a year um we 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 know would be um using our lights a lot more but but no all of, all of those costs are still there um and uh, yes if spectators aren't allowed in um that's, our, that's money at the gate as yeah, well in our league matches we we have three officials who would approximately cost probably 1800 oh sorry 180 points, 1800. That would be a wee bit more. <laughs> I want um, that job. <laughs> yes, yeah, so do I. So do I. Um, 
about 180 to 200 pounds per match, you know. So if you weren't able to, I mean, we have said that. We said that at the end of last season, really. I mean, clubs just couldn't afford to um, to pay uh, out those sort of money if no one is coming in through the gate, you know. And so we, we, we So what do you think the long-term effects of all this is going to have on football in general, not just your club, but any of the clubs? I mean, it seems to be a real worry. I think I think in sport, uh, in general, not, not just football, I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, so in general, then, your hopes for the season is just to actually get the season, just to get it played? <laughs> Never mind, you know, um, aiming for promotion I suppose you're not even thinking that far ahead at this stage yeah I mean it's a, it's a matter of getting it started in earnest but whenever we come to the point that we were thinking from here on we're going to be getting into our league campaign and uh, and then we have a, a lockdown for another month if that's what it is from our point of view um, uh, it's going to be very difficult because then okay we get started again but what happens beyond that so um, decisions have to be made and couldn't be made until that appeal was out of the way as to how many matches we actually attempt to play within our league uh, the, the original plan would have been 27 but that will probably be reduced um, and the the longer the start date of our league is put off then the more difficult it is to put in a reasonable number of matches between then and the end of May whenever the season would normally end you know so I, I've been involved recently in, in trying to uh, formulate rules to uh, accommodate what might happen if the, the season that we've just started is curtailed okay. uh, so that we have some sort of contingency uh, yeah so we, we, we have it down in black and white before we kick a ball uh, because at least it makes it a little bit clearer as to you know you're going to be promoted if X happens, you know you're going to be relegated if Y happens, and you know it's not going to be perfect, but yeah, it's an attempt to. So are you involved in the in the board for doing that? Um, uh, yeah, well, I, I I'm on the NIFL board yeah. as a representative of the PIL, okay. uh, so yes, so um, I have um, been involved in that. Uh, with it. I've been involved in more meetings since March than I probably have been in most of my life. Yeah, I can imagine. Not I can well time. imagine. Anyway, well, th thanks very much for talking to me, Aidan, and I hope I just hope that things return to some sort of normalcy and we get at least some games going. But I, I think I think it's incumbent as well on you know the governing body and and um, and, and Sport NI and the executives to assist probably clubs, sports clubs in general, I mean, uh, to ensure that they are in existence whenever all this does uh, come to an end because um, it, it will, as we said earlier, it will be exceedingly difficult, you know, uh, for, for many clubs just to, uh, just to stay, stay, up, stay yeah. in business, you know. Uh, you, you have to realise where your top players come where from. they all come they from, They all come exactly. from the grassroots, they all come from clubs uh, like ourselves whether it be in Gaelic whether it be hockey whether it be you know uh, football I mean so they all develop their young players and then they all move on they all move up to the top so if the if the base isn't supported I mean uh, and that probably 
it's probably up to um, government both at um, uh, level here and, and across the water to support that yeah, yeah. okay all right. all right thanks very much for talking thank, to me Aiden. thank you very much i hope you enjoyed this episode of the eye on the ball if so subscribe to our podcast and to arma eye If you have any suggestions about what you'd like to hear or any comments at all, feel free to send us a message or leave a comment. And I hope you'll join me next time for The Eye on the Ball. Black Hill Energy, heating homes across County Armagh. Fill up your tank for a rainy day with County Armagh's fastest growing fuel company. For latest prices, visit our website at www.blackhillenergy.net or call us today on 02838 344 223. Black Hill Energy, Ansborough Industrial Park, Lurgan.